In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Welcome to Episode 5 of Conspiracy Unlimited. The recent announcement by U.S. President Donald Trump that the United States now officially recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and will move ahead with a long-standing plan to move the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is historic, but it's also prophetic, as my next guest will discuss. It's also quite possible that it will literally stir up a hornet's nest that could result in further military skirmishes, a further escalation of the Middle East meltdown, perhaps even uh, some type of a setting up for a world war scenario. This podcast is brought to you by Logo Creator 7 Software. These days, it's more important than ever to have a good image, especially if you have a small business or you sell stuff online or post on social media. But quality graphics can cost money, and advanced software like Photoshop takes time to learn. That's why I want to tell you about some amazing piece of software called Creator 7. Creator 7 is so easy to use, yet it lets you create super-looking logos, business cards, character mascots, you name it, in just minutes. Whatever you create is going to look super cool and really impressive. Creator 7 comes with hundreds of ready-made templates. Just click and drag to make changes and instantly you have really impressive graphics right on your computer. Some clever folks have even ordered the Creator 7 software to start their own logo-making business, creating and selling logos and graphics for a profit. That's how good it is, but you won't believe the price. Creator 7 creates beautiful logos and designs right on your computer and works on either PC or Mac. And right now, it's available at an amazing price. To see it in action, just visit RadioShowLogo.com. That's RadioShowLogo.com. RadioShowLogo.com Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres Pursuing the truth wherever it leads Exposing evil and corruption 
the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of her supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Happy Hanukkah. This is a day two, celebrating the miracle of the oil lamp that burned for eight days with only one day's supply of oil. And here in Ontario, we could certainly use a Hanukkah miracle. Have you seen the price of electricity? Of course you have. You get the bill just like I do. Wouldn't it be great if we could pay for one day of electricity and get eight for free? Ah, yes, the miracle of Hanukkah. And what a Hanukkah gift to the people of Israel. One week ago, uh, last Wednesday, U.S. President Trump formally recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, saying it's time to acknowledge the obvious as he ordered the State Department to begin moving the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And the move fulfills a campaign promise made to religious conservatives. Uh, Some are saying it could also inflame tensions across the Middle East. And Trump acknowledged the opposition from other countries in the Middle East in his decision, uh, saying uh, Vice President Mike Pence will be traveling to the region in the coming days, and the U.S. would be the first country to move its embassy to Jerusalem, which is claimed by both Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, It's historic, yes, but it really is a simple recognition of reality, as Trump said, acknowledging the obvious. But it is also prophetic. And one of the things I like to do uh, on this podcast is uh, to put news headlines through the prophetic lens. And so we'll do that over the next 35, 40 minutes or so. And uh, we'll talk about the significance of Trump's, what I see as a courageous decision, the possible firestorm it may create, the likelihood of peace in the Middle East, but also the all-important backstory or the context behind the Israeli-Arab-Palestinian conflict. And my guest is Carl Gallops, a former law enforcement official in the state of Florida. He's now the long-standing senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist uh, church up in uh, the panhandle of Florida near Gainesville. He's a popular broadcaster, host of Freedom Fridays, and we'll tell you how you can listen to his uh, radio program. I've been on Carl's show a number of times. He's also a best-selling author of books that delve into biblical prophecy. His most recent book, Gods and Thrones. Carl Gallops, hey, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's an historic occasion. Hey, it turns out that Israel has a capital, and it's called Jerusalem. Who knew? Yeah, who knew that? I, um, you know, for uh, thousands of years, we've wondered where the capital of Israel might be. Mm. (laughs) Yet the word of God has told us. Yeah. Yeah. So what not not only an amazingly historic occasion, but I think also profoundly prophetic in the long run. And we'll get into that. But just set the stage. Why has it taken so long? This was a the U.S. Uh, the Jerusalem Embassy Act or something that was passed back in Clinton's yes. era, 1995. Yes. Why has it taken so long? 1995. Well, brother, listen, that we could do an hour-long show on that. Some of it, what I'm going to say is fact. Uh, other of it is speculation. Um, and some of it is absolutely biblical and spiritual. But why has it taken so long? Well, Jerusalem is the apple of God's eye. 
in the in in the earthly realm it is the place called the city of the king it is the place where the son of god was crucified it is the place where the son of god was transcended to the right hand of of god it is the place where he is coming again to set his feet upon zion um it, it has been, it is the city of david the capital of jerusalem it was the place where the first temple was built and then the second temple was built um I mean, it is the birthplace of the church. It is the place where the Holy Spirit of God was given to uh, born-again believers for the very first time. Uh, it is the place where Jesus was resurrected from the grave. I mean, I mean, and, and so you take all of that and wrap it together, and then remember that for 2,600 years from the time Israel fell and Jerusalem fell into the hands of the Babylonians— For 2,600 years, there was no nation of Israel. Therefore, there was no capital of Jerusalem again. I mean, think about that, Richard. That would be like if the United States of America tomorrow was surrounded by Chinese warships in conjunction with Russian warships. All of those troops came onto our shores for whatever reason we couldn't defend ourselves, and and they began to ship us all away. In, uh, to Russia, into Asia, into China, and for 2,500 years, our children's 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 children never heard of or saw the United States of America again. And not and only that, a, but English would be a forgotten language. For, well, for that English would be a forgotten language. Our homes would be lived in. Our property would be owned by people of foreign tongues. Uh, a new language, new culture, new history for thousands of years. But then our children's 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 children out in the future, 2,500 years later, they re-inhabit the land. They reestablish the nation. They re the, the 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 language is restored and is revived. The culture is restored and is revived. The faith is it's always been there, but I mean it's it's infused with this possession of the land again. Israel becomes a superpower in the Middle East, and because of nuclear weapons and its connection to the West, it becomes a nuclear superpower to be dealt with in the world. I mean, what's the chances of that? If that same scenario were to happen to Canada? or the United States. It's impossible. Yet it did happen, and it did happen to Israel, and Israel alone. But what's so remarkable is it was foretold thousands of years before it happened that it would happen in the days before the return of Jesus Christ. So here we are. And listen, think about this. This is the 70th year. This is 2017, 1948 to 2017, 2018. We are now in the 70th year of Israel's existence. That number seven. 70 is kind of a... <laughs> and, and the 50th year of the reunification of Jerusalem. Exactly. Exactly. The 50th year. And in a uh, j- jubilee year, a super shemitah, if you will. I mean, you just it all adds up to these unbelievable things. And here we are, and we're the first generation in 2,500 years to see it. Not just a generation, brother, but you and I lived... In the day, on the day when it was declared. 
So, in other words, Carl, waiting uh, 22 years since they passed this Jerusalem Embassy Act is no big deal after waiting 2,500 years. But, well, but yeah. back to that, that question, just yes. from a political yes. uh, standpoint, walk me through why, after they, they made it a law, that, yes. the, and it was passed by 90% of the Senate, both sides of the Senate, approved... Yes. The United States would move their embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, thus recognizing formally that Jerusalem was the capital. Why did it take 22 years from the time it was passed? Yes, it's a complex answer, but I'll make it very simple. Political correctness. The bottom line is we are dealing with this misconception of a Palestinian state or the hope of a Palestinian state. And it's even further a misconception when it's spoken of as the return of the Palestinian state. Uh, because the Palestinian, first of all, the term Palestinian is a misnomer. And so, and I'll get into that in a moment, but the bottom line is ever since it's passed, in 1995, there was a built-in political correctness mechanism of it could be kicked down, the can could be kicked down the road every six months by whatever president was in there. And it was always, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard candidates run for office, either for Congress or for president, and throw that piece of bait out to the voters, particularly knowing that we've been a, basically a Judeo-Christian nation you know, since our inception and until recent years, very strongly in that. And they would throw it out to the voters that if I'm elected – you know, we'll, we'll, I'll sign this, or I'll push the president to sign this, and 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 Israel, uh, Jerusalem will be the place where our embassy will go. And then, of course, you know, the, the declaring of it as na- Israel's national official capital. Israel has declared it for 50 years to be its capital. The problem is, is that the United States would not recognize it. The West would not recognize it. How, how, how do you think that would make us feel if all the nations of the world said, we don't recognize Washington? Washington, D.C. is the capital of the United States. Uh, we recognize uh, Miami, Florida, <laughs> or, or Los Angeles, California. We don't, we don't recognize Washington, D.C. So what has happened, brother, in, in answer to your question, is that in and out of each administration, Republican and Democrat, there has been this huge international push to somehow push Israel out or push it back to its 1967 border. Some nations have even called for its out-and-out destruction. And this idea of moving the American embassy to Jerusalem, thus signifying by the most powerful nation in the world, and and that it, uh, Jerusalem is in fact Israel's national capital, it has always been a bone of contention, a point of contention with the United Nations, with the with the Arabs, the Muslims, those who call themselves the Palestinians. And so it's been something that would take guts. It would take the political will of the nation. It would take the political will and climate and spirit of the political uh, realm in which that president was associated. And it would take somebody who understood, I think, the biblical aspect of the whole thing. So that's where we've been. I mean, listen, ever since the act was passed, this is the first president who ran on this as a campaign promise, and in less than one year, right about one year of being in office, less than one year of being in office, actually pulled it off. So 
Anyway, it's it's complex, but that's the simple answer. And predictably, we had leaders in Europe. Uh, I believe it was the Swedish prime minister. We had, of course, the Turkish uh, prime minister uh, condemning this, saying, uh, I had to almost laugh when they said, this is going to set the Mideast uh, peace talks back. There are no Mideast peace talks. Uh, they have not even, uh, the, the leader of the uh, Palestinian Authority, is it Habas, has not met face to face with Netanyahu in in years, I think, since what two thousand eight or nine or something. Right. There is no, there is no Mid East peace uh, path at the moment. So, what are they on about? What are they saying that this is going to cause, you know, uh, relations? It's going to cause chaos in the Middle East. The Middle East is in chaos. How could things yeah. possibly get worse? Yeah, you, you've taken all my answers, brother. <laughs> no, 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 listen. No, I agree with you. There is no real super-duper path to Mideast peace talks. I mean, I don't want to say there's no path to peace. I, I would pray there would be, perhaps. I mean, I know what the Word of God says, that ultimately there will be no peace in Israel and until the return of the Prince of Peace. I mean, I get that. Uh, but on the other hand, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, living in this world, we pray for peace. We work for peace. We, we attempt to live at peace as much as it is possible with those around us. And so who wants to be in a perpetual world war with the Middle East. Of course not. So, but, the, but you're right. I mean, you're right, Richard. There is no wide, broad road paved with gold to peace that we're almost on the verge of, and Donald Trump just threw it away and flushed it down the toilet. I mean, you know, that's what I've been listening to the media all day today. That's the picture they're painting. It's an absolute false picture. This goes to answering your first question about, you know, why has it been kicked down the road all these years? Because it's, it's all predicated upon a false premise. It goes back to the whole misnomer of the Palestinians. You know, Palestine, that's a Roman designation that was given, I don't know, 124 A.D., something like that. It was by one of the emperors that, that was in the process of purging the land of all the Jews as that as it started in 70 A.D. and went on for 30, 40, 50 years. And this persecution and the desire of the Roman Empire to rid that whole region of the Jewish people. And so they designated the land Palestinia, which which is the Roman term meaning the land of the Philistines, because they knew that the Jews wouldn't want to live in a place where their most dreaded enemy, uh, you know, where, where the land took its name from. So the point I'm trying to make is that when I was growing up as a kid, Richard, that whole area was was then renamed Palestine, I think by the United Nations perhaps, uh, just as a historical uh, nomer. But I can remember as a kid hearing about the Jewish Palestinians and the Arab Palestinians, the Palestinian Arabs and the Palestinian Jews. In other words, Palestine just indicated a region. It did not indicate a group of people, a specific race or ethnicity or even religious affiliation. It simply um, spoke to the region. It's like saying, okay, everybody in Florida, they are Floridians. 
But that doesn't speak to our race or our specific religious preference. We're Floridians. There's white Floridians, black Floridians, Hispanic Floridians, Baptist Floridians, Catholic and atheist Floridians. Same thing with Palestine. But you see, what happened was is that you know how the media and, 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 the, and, and the people who try to rewrite history, they love to have tags and, and titles and names. They like to have isms. They like to have a disease they can attach to to something and so what they came up with um after of course israel declares itself to be a nation and 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 the muslims the arabs living in the land many of them kind of piled out of the area fully expecting that the jews would be crushed in that war and then they could come sweeping back in and take over the whole area well that didn't happen as god would have it and as prophecy would have it uh the israelis won that war and they controlled the land and they possessed the land so so these people that fled they, they they went over into Jordan and the West Bank, and 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 then before long, even Jordan didn't want them and kind of expelled them and put them out because of their radical ways. And and the next thing you know, they are being they're calling themselves, and the media is calling them, and the, and those that are opposed to the Jews and opposed to Israel and opposed to the existence of Israel, this whole campaign starts. This political correct campaign. Speaking of the Palestinian refugees, and it was then it was focused in on not Palestinian Jews or Palestinian atheists, or Palestinian whatever, it was focused in on the Arab population, particularly the Muslim population, the Arab Muslims, the Palestinians. And so now they said, you know, we're, we're refugees. Refugees from what? Hmm. Well, from our land. But it's not your land. You, you, you never had a nation there. You, you left when the war uh, broke out. You spread to the areas of, uh, of the West Bank. I, I, I've never understood this, and that is when they talk about Palestinians, as in the Palestinian Arabs, who are not distinct from Palestinian or Arabs from Egypt or, Palestin- or Arabs from uh, Syria or Arabs from Lebanon or Arabs from Iraq, for that matter. Uh, right. But they they do have a home. It's called Jordan. I mean, yes. 70, 80% at least Jordanians are Palestinian, if we can use that term. Why, why do they need that other tiny sliver of land? Why can't they just locate to, to Jordan, where they already have a sizable population? Well, one of the dirty little secrets is, but history bears this out, that so many of those who call themselves Palestinian refugees and who have been directly linked over the decades to these uh, uh, terrorist organizations, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Qaeda, uh, you, you, eventually ISIS, I mean, I mean, all and, and other, Hamas and these groups, these folks, these people – under the leadership of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, and their leaders, Arafat, and all those guys. These people were, here's the dirty little secret, Richard, they were expelled from Jordan because of their entitlement mentality in destroying the economy and their radical extremist uh, views and, and their, their violent behavior and all of these reasons, they were expelled from the region. I mean, even, even the Jordanians didn't want them. 
And so, and so again, the the people around the world, what whoever you know, various nations, various political factions, some in the UN, they took advantage. They jumped on this. This is a very complex issue. And Richard, I appreciate you throwing me these softballs. I know that you know most of this, but it's such a complex issue, and so many decades have gone by. The, the, the history has has been revised. Uh, our young people around the, the world have been dumbed down to all the stuff we're talking about sounds like fairy tale to, to some people listening, but they've never heard this before. But the bottom line is that Palestine, there is no such place as an Arab Palestine nation. It has never existed. The In fact, there has never been a sovereign nation with a king and borders and trade and monetary, um, its own monetary system and its own, uh, I think I said military system and 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 its own trade compacts. There's never been a nation in that area except Israel. Now, other kingdoms and empires have possessed that land, like the like the Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire owned some of it, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, as they shared some of it with the French Empire, and all of that. But there's never, never has there been a distinctive nation in that land with king, borders, money, military, trade compacts with other nations, except for the nation of Israel. This whole idea of the Palestinian nation and the Palestinian refugees and the displaced Palestinians, it's its all a fairy tale. It, 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 I know that's so politically incorrect for me to say, but it's just the historical truth. What, prior to 1967, we didn't hear about the Palestinian people. We, I believe that was about the year that the PLO came into existence, wasn't it? 1967, and Yasser Arafat came onto the onto the scene. But where was where were the Palestinian Arabs complaining about the Egyptian? control over the Gaza Strip from 67 to, I was I believe that was uh, the Gaza Strip was taken from Egypt when 67 or was it 73 but my my point is the Gaza Strip was controlled by the Egyptians the West Bank was controlled by Jordan why weren't the Palestinian people complaining to Jordan or calling the the Egyptians the occupiers yeah yeah. Well, and here we get back to what I believe is the spiritual aspect. Now, of course, there's a huge political aspect involved as well, but but the two are really inseparable. For people who have a biblical worldview and a biblical understanding, because all of this was prophesied thousands of years ago, many, many decades, hundreds of years, centuries before it all came to fruition in our own historical generation. And so, it is it is the land of God. It is the land of God's people. It is the land of the Hebrews. It is the land of the city of David. It is the land of the city of God. And again, it's the place where where the Lord brought the gospel to fruition. And it is the place to which Jesus is returning, according to the word of God. All of these things go into it. So that's at the deep spiritual level. But the word of God tells us that 
behind the thrones of power, and I'm not trying to give a cheap plug for my book, but that's a part of what my latest book is about, Gods and Thrones, mm-hmm. the, the, the term gods with a little g, the demonic influence under the realm of Satan behind the thrones of power. And so there has just been this continual outpouring of a revision of history and this political correctness of who owns what and whose land is whose. And, and ever since Israel has been back in the land, since 1948, There has been this outcry among the nations. I mean, other than, you know, Great Britain and the United States and some of its allies over the years, the rest of the world pretty much has thumbed its nose at Israel, has refused to even recognize either its existence or its right to exist, and and has refused to recognize Jerusalem as being any part of Israel, much less its capital, much less the place where the largest superpower the planet has ever known can establish its embassy and put its stamp of approval on like like uh, Donald Trump did today I mean so so this has been the political slash spiritual climate before Israel returned but especially since Israel returned to the land again a 2600 year old prophecy an absolute historical impossibility again think of the United States or Canada 2500 years being gone and it returns to the land along with the language, along with the culture, along with its power and glory and prominence. And look, ever since 1948, Richard, what has been the focus of the geopolitical headlines every single week since 1948? Israel, Middle East, Palestinians, the Palestinian refugees, uh, uh, peace talks, uh, land for peace deals, uh, the dividing of the land, uh, peace summits, Arabs and Israel. I mean, that's that's what our whole world has been about since 1948. So now here we are, 70 years the other side of it, brother. And then today, right before Christmas of all things, in the 70th year of Israel's existence in the 50th year of Jerusalem being in in the hands of Israel because of the of the 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 six day war in this week today history was made and prophecy was opened up right before our eyes this is profound but you're right the palestinians the nations around they, they, there's this been this constant uh, constant pouring out of propaganda about you know we're 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 entitled to this we're refugees israel is an occupier and you know nothing could be further from the truth but you know what brother you and i both know that truth doesn't seem to matter to most of the world anymore that's true listen you don't have to be a prophet to know that pair networks is a world-class website host and if you're looking for world-class website hosting at a fair price there's a company i want to tell you about again it's pair networks they host hundreds of thousands of websites and why do i recommend them well simply because they set the standard for excellence with a technical support staff that is second to none and their support team responds so incredibly fast and they always give you straight answers which is important to me because quite frankly i'm kind of slow and that's important plus they have top-of-the-line technology and that's why pair networks offers total reliability for your website with a money-back guarantee so whether you're a professional web designer a busy web marketer or you're just getting a site online pair networks is a web hosting plan that's right for you log on and learn more at pair.com let me spell it out for you 
P-A-I-R.com. P-A-I-R.com. Pair Networks. Pastor Carl Gallops is with us, and his latest is Gods and Thrones. We're talking about this historical uh, event. President Trump has formally recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and also announced that finally, after 22 years, he will put the, the wheels in motion and the U.S. Embassy will be moved finally from Tel Aviv uh, to uh, Jerusalem. This is probably going to take a couple years. Um, now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but back in 1979, the conservative government up here in Canada under the Right Honorable Joe Clark, he lasted in office. It was a minority government. He, he, a minority government. He lasted all of about nine months. Uh, but that was actually something that he had proposed to do, and he received tremendous, uh, a tremendous backlash. I don't know if you're familiar with that little piece of history, but but Joe Clark tried to do it. Yeah, you know, listening to you, I do remember some of that, and uh, you have refreshed my memory. Yes, and 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 do do you recall what the crux of the backlash he received was? Probably pretty much the same as Trump is, huh? Yeah, as I recall, and I was uh, maybe fifteen at the time. But again, it was oh, this is going to you know uh, stall the uh, the the peace talks. It's going to cause chaos in the Middle East. Uh, It's going to divide. You know the uh, the Arab world and so on. It's pretty much the same argument. But I guess my question now is: Then, do you think that now that President Trump has has shown this courage and taken this first step, that others uh, there will will there be other countries that will follow? Okay, let me speak to that uh, biblically. I mean, excuse me, uh, politically, and then biblically. Uh, there is a distinct possibilities a possibility that other countries might follow because leadership is uh, strong leadership has um, it's contagious it has an attractiveness to it other leaders might follow suit um, I think other leaders are going to do what typical uh, leaders do they're going to sit back and put their finger in the air and they're going to test the way the winds blow they're going to watch and see what happens they're going to watch the backlash and then if it looks like it's gaining popularity they'll probably step forward and do it so <clears throat> excuse me so um, there's always that distinct possibility uh, the bottom line though is you know I, I this is like the shepherds when they were visited by the angelic host and told to go to bethlehem and see the christ child well did they see prophecy born that day yes literally they saw prophecy born that day but how long was it before it really came to fruition well it would be 30 years later before jesus would begin his ministry and then he would have 3 years of public ministry and you, you know, and the Bible didn't say anything about shepherds being at the at, at the foot of the cross that day. <laughs> you know, so True. maybe they were True. maybe they were all dead by then. I, so the bottom line is, we're at the birth of prophecy today. How it will unfold over the next decades, years, if the Lord gives us that long, I don't know. But it's quite possible what you said might happen. It's also quite possible that it will literally stir up a hornet's nest that could result in further military skirmishes, uh, further escalation of the Middle East meltdown, perhaps even uh, some type of a setting up for a world war scenario. Listen, and I'm not a warmonger, and I'm certainly not hoping for any of that. I'm just, I know what, that the Word of God says that ultimately 
in the very last days before the return of the Lord Jesus, the Bible's clear that, I mean, in the Old and New Testament, that Jerusalem, specifically the Bible says Jerusalem will be the target of the nations, and the nations means those that are opposed to Israel, and that Jerusalem will eventually be surrounded by these nations that are seeking to destroy Israel in the last days. Well, brother, I mean, (laughs) if anything might set this up in the long run to fulfill that prophecy, it would be something like this. But, you know, for decades, I mean, long before I was in the ministry, I used to hear preachers preach about that one day Jerusalem would be the capital. Why? Because the Word of God emphasizes the preeminence of Jerusalem in the last days, uh, Old and New Testaments, and then again emphasizes the focus of the of the antagonistic nations upon that city specifically. So, you know, what does all of this mean? It's kind of like the shepherds visiting the crib that day. What does all of this mean? Well, <laughs> it meant a lot. Some of it they probably never saw in their lifetime, but it it meant it meant the the world to the rest of us. So, I, all we can do is just kind of speculate right now, Richard, and I know that's all you asked me to do, uh, but it, it, we live in some prophetic times. We live in some interesting times. It's going to be fascinating to watch all of this unfold. I admire President Trump. I think he's a man of conviction and courage, great courage, because he basically did this in the face of the world, so his convictions must run deep here. I also believe that he knows stuff we don't know concerning the so-called peace process. It could be that this might be a bargaining chip for him. Well, this is oh. where it gets even more intriguing, and that is, and this hasn't been uh, confirmed, but unofficially we're hearing rumblings that an unlikely peace partner might be in this whole game, Saudi Arabia, with this yes. reformer uh, Crown Prince bin Salman, uh, who has, with a wink and a nod told Trump at an earlier meeting, go ahead, we're not going to to, to mind or get in the way because Saudi Arabia, I think, while um, Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states, for example, uh, in public will say, well, what about the Palestinians? What about the Palestinians? But in private, they're saying, oh, Israel, save us from Iran. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And see, that's why I said earlier, this thing is so complex. There's so many tentacles to this, because we do now have an, an a nuclear Iran, perhaps nuclear, and they are deeply connected to Russia, who is now in the Middle East, in Syria, in the middle of an irreconcilable civil war uh, in Syria. And there's Russia with its troops. And what else has happened? China has come into the Land, building their first international military base on the east coast of Africa. To do, one of the things they're doing is supplying troops into Syria to connect with Russia. So, you know, Saudi Arabia is watching all of this. And in the meantime, uh, Turkey is collapsing and melting into an Islamic caliphate, uh, which also, you know, I could spend an hour and talk about the biblical prophetic connections to that that was foretold 2,000 years ago. We're watching that happen. Then we've got the North Korean rogue nation threatening to nuke the United States of America. And you say, well, that's stupid. They can't do that. But wait. Who are they connected with? China and Russia, who's connected to Iran. The hip bone's connected to the leg bone. The leg bone's connected to the foot bone. And so, yes, Saudi Arabia 
is sitting there watching this too, and they realize that they could be on the verge of a meltdown. So I, th- I, I am certain there are things going on behind the scenes that you and I don't even have an inkling of, uh, and and I think Saudi Arabia is a part of it. I, I just I do based upon what I've been reading and just based upon watching the last several decades of the unfolding events in the Middle East. Carl. I always appreciate uh, you coming on board and instilling some prophetic wisdom. Thank you so much for this. Richard, it is my pleasure, my honor. I've enjoyed being on the show with you. Thank you for trusting me, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, my friend. Gods and Thrones, how do we get a hold of that book? Yeah, uh, carlgallops.com is my website. You can find out everything about me there, all my books, plus you can uh, read several chapters of it and order it from there, and or Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes and & Nobles, and in any place uh, where good Christian books are sold. And Freedom Fridays, how do we listen to that? Yeah, callgallops.com. Uh, go there, click on any link that says Freedom Friday. Or right on my picture, there's a link that says Freedom Friday Radio. You can click on it, listen to it live. It's broadcast over an over-the-air radio station on the Gulf Coast. We broadcast to four states on the Gulf Coast, but we broadcast stream live over the Internet and smartphones, and we podcast. Wonderful. Thank you again, Carl. Thank you so much, Richard. God bless you, man. All right. Good night. Good night. Pastor Carl Gallops, the author of gods and thrones well that's about it uh, before i dim the lights in my little studio under the stairs and head on up the stairs to bed i wanted to fill you in on what's coming up on episode six of conspiracy unlimited but before i get to that let me ask you have you heard about this free guide you can download that contains a list of online power tools that can make you more efficient, secure, and boost your income. Best of all, this online toolbox guide is absolutely free. How do you get it? Simply visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and grab your copy while they last. This guide is some of the very same online tools that successful business owners use every day, and each one is highly recommended. Yeah, I know. Some of these websites will offer a special giveaway like this, and then what do they do? They want to stick you into a recurring program or some other deal. Uh Uh-uh, this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try, no credit card needed, no cost whatsoever. BrightBiz is literally giving away this online toolbox guide completely free as a means of putting their best foot forward. But this is a limited time offer. So grab your free guide today and take your business and your income to the next level. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com to get your free guide to 36 online power tools. That address again, freebusinesstoolbox.com. Coming up on Episode 6 of Conspiracy Unlimited, author, broadcaster, ufologist, anomalist, Micah Hanks joins me to discuss the strange disappearance of Australian pilot Frederick Valentik. Was it a UFO abduction or pilot error? Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.